Hi, hello. Welcome to the Dirty Rabbit Hole podcast. I'm Michael Foreman, author. Hi again, it's Michael Foreman, author, calling to you all the way from the Dirty Rabbit Hole podcast, talking to you about sexless marriages. And at the top of the podcast, I mentioned that I was an author. You may have the idea that I'm an author of self-help books for people suffering sexless marriages, but I'm not. I'm actually an author of some quite dark adult fiction based on sexless marriages, mainly based on the sexless marriage that I experienced. I guess you could call me a sufferer of a sexless marriage. And I reach out to people like yourself who are interested in understanding what it's like to be in a sexless marriage and maybe even sharing some experiences. I know I share my experiences here on the podcast and have done so for almost, I don't know, a year, I think. And um, a little bit of insight of what happened between the sheets or didn't happen between the sheets and also through um, what happened over seven years of counselling. And uh, I don't always like talking about it, there's a lot of shame and guilt attached to to subjects like these. We don't always talk about sex between married couples, even when we're talking about good sex. Quite often it's said with humour and jokes, but uh, there's nothing funny about being a part of a sexless marriage because you can't really take it to anyone. Yes, you can complain to your work colleagues and maybe your neighbours and brothers or sisters, but uh, even then they don't always know what's going on. And... Um, Yes, it's a terrible, it's just a terrible time. I was married for 10 years. We went out for seven years before that. We had seven years of counselling after we were married. Clearly there was an issue and we went to several different marriage counsellors until she found one that she was happy with. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that story as we get on in the podcast. But today's podcast is all about the affair. It's a difficult topic to talk about finding sex outside the marriage, finding physical intimacy from someone else, a stranger, outside the marriage. And there are going to be listeners today that'll just switch off and go, well, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm never going to go down that path. My moral standing and fibre is very strong. I was brought up a staunch Christian, and I believe that when you are married, you are married forever. And that's okay. I'm not going to change you. This podcast is not going to alter your thoughts or your practices in that fashion. But there are going to be other individuals who have come to the end of their tether and they just don't know what to do. You may have read online about affair partners. It's almost like a sport, unfortunately. People who basically see each other for just the intimate parts of life, the sex. And I was there as well. I will enter into a subject that I am not comfortable in talking about today. So um, please be gentle with me. If, if you think bad of me, then that's fair enough and good enough. But uh, and it's not until you're pushed to the end of your tether and then some more do you realise that something needs to be done. Bearing in mind that we did have a number of years of counselling before I embarked on this journey and there were many other stages in between times. I did open the idea of discussions in talking about outsourcing sex. And I remember thinking to myself, how on earth am I going to be able to talk to my wife on this level and get her to virtually wake up and have this marriage activated in a sexual sense? Because even from the wedding day, we really didn't embark on that journey at all. We were always 
more like best friends than lovers. For most of the time, it was a difficult issue. Even when we were dating, talking to her about sex, she would close down very quickly. She didn't like talking about it, and she didn't like doing it. Before marriage, we didn't do it because there was a celibacy rule. And that's another topic for another discussion on another day. If you want to know more about that part, go and read the book Seethings from smashwords.com. I'll come, I'll come back to all of that later. In the meantime, I just want to continue on down this line of uh, affairs and affair partners. In the beginning stages, I never thought about having an affair. I didn't want one. I married a woman, a decent human being, who I would thought would become a lifelong mate, sexual in every sense of the word, friend, lover, mother eventually to our children and um, you know I never planned to go outside the marriage ever I kind of expected it would happen between us nevertheless I got to a point we'd had counseling the discussion had come up many times about the issues of sex um, in our life or lack of and uh, one day I just said to her look um, what about if we open up the marriage I was being very brave possibly stupid. I didn't have anybody planned. There was nobody, I wasn't seeing anybody on the side. I wasn't making eyes at anybody. and didn't have tickets on some event that was going to take place in, in a week's time or whatever. It was simply just a set of words, hopefully to shake her up, wake her up. But of course she took offense to it and closed it down immediately. And a couple of weeks later, I brought it up at the counseling sessions, not in the same words. I just said to our counsellor, maybe it might be time that we do something about this. My wife doesn't want sex, but I don't believe that, that I should be forced to not have sex as well. And maybe I can get it from somewhere else. I didn't use the word open marriage this time around. And he was very empathetic. Our counsellor was very good. The one she picked was a very good counsellor. He didn't roll his eyes. He didn't... You stupid man, how dare you say that kind of thing? He listened, he nodded, and he turned it over to my wife for reply. And he said, well, what do you think about that? Now again, I had nobody lined up. It was simply my way to show her how desperate things had become. If I was looking outside the marriage, maybe she could switch on and let it come back into the marriage. It was a risky thing to do, and it can have two effects. It can stimulate someone to do something about it, or it can make them really angry and close up. If you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you already know that the chances of getting no sex in this relationship was pretty high, so I had nothing to lose. You know, if she got angry about it and decided that she didn't want to participate in intimacy, as some people would do in a normal relationship, you know, you're barred to the bedroom. If I feel good, I'll go to bed and have sex with you. If I don't feel good, and well, I'm not going anywhere near you. That's fine and fair enough. But of course, she wasn't going near me. So there was nothing of that to barter. I was only, I suppose, hurting her feelings. And uh, at that point, I didn't know what else to do. Yes, so he looked at her and said, what do you think about that? And she said, I think that's totally unfair. I think even just thinking about that is totally unfair. Which was probably about as much as she ever said when it came to sex. She never wanted to say or do sex when things were good. When things got pushed, and I opened up that discussion about going outside the marriage, that's when she put her foot down and she wanted something to say about that. At no other point would she say anything. She knew she didn't want to have sex, and she also 
didn't want me to have sex as well. And I came to the conclusion that it didn't matter what I said or did, nothing was going to change. Seven years of celibacy turned into seven years of a sexless marriage at that point, and I decided that I was going to outsource. It's a terrible thing. I always like the happy ever after story in a relationship where everybody just gets along all the time for everything, but that doesn't always happen. I thought about many different alternatives. I thought maybe I could pay for it. Maybe I could uh, bump into somebody at a bar, but I, you know, I didn't have any time away from home. I was working um, and we were at home at night looking at each other across the void. I, I wasn't really a bar person in the first place. So I looked up an old girlfriend we kind of had this thing way back when we were teenagers and we were very compatible in that way. Not compatible in many other ways, but compatible that way. And it didn't take much. I looked her up. She was single. I was alone. Told her a little bit about the story without trying to reveal too much. And we went, we went at it. And for the first time in goodness knows how many years, I had free-flowing liberating sex with a full-blown woman. I could not believe my luck. I was so happy. When you have been alone for a long time in your life and you suddenly have somebody like that take care of you, show interest, be kind and sweet, it really does a great thing for your ego, for your inner being, the whole lot. And I know what you're going to say, or probably what you're thinking right now. Well, how did you feel afterwards? I felt pretty crappy. I remember driving home and feeling pretty shitty about the whole thing. I came off my sexual high and I went way down again. But you have to remember, and maybe you'll have to think about it yourself if you are in the same situation or you're going to find yourself in the same situation. I had nothing left to lose. I was already on the bottom. Feeling shitty for this reason was no different than feeling shitty for the other reason of accepting a sexless life with an asexual wife. I kept thumping myself in the side of the head going, why doesn't she participate? I have been nice, I've been kind, I've been patient all this time, and she still rejects me. Holidays away, date nights, we go to hotels. She doesn't participate. She doesn't want to know. Her version of intimacy is picking up a book and reading it or signing on to a new class and learning something new. That's her version of intimacy. She loves that. She doesn't love me. She doesn't love me in that way. And that does something really bad for me. I was on the bottom when I made that decision. I couldn't get any further down. So that little piece of joy that was brought to me that day lifted me up so high that I can't describe the feeling. And yes, I did fall back down. So we go, it's like a roller coaster ride, you know, very high to very low. But during the course of the following week, I felt pretty good about myself. I felt calm, balanced. And if my wife rejected me, it didn't matter. It did not matter or affect me one bit. I was on cloud nine. The relationship went on for a little while. I think three months from, from memory. It's been a while since it's all happened. It's all distant memory stuff for me now, but uh, I do remember how high I felt. I remember how low I felt. And then I also remember how invincible I felt in the weeks that followed. And this is the problem that you may find if you find yourself going down this path, deciding when it's over. At some point, you'll reach a moment when one of you has to make a decision as to what's going to happen in the future. Now, I had no future with this person. I made that clear from the start, both to myself and to her. 
And so the pressure was on to commit and very easily uncommitted myself to that relationship. But during that three month period, my wife couldn't do anything to me and I didn't feel bad about any of it. During that three month period, she invited herself over onto my body. It was the only time in our 10 year marriage and our seven year uh, celibate relationship where she invited her own body to meet mine. It was a brief encounter. She helped herself and hopped off and trundled away. But I couldn't believe the change in my wife for what had been going. I mean, I knew what I was doing on the side. And this thing took place, this anomaly took place right there and then. And I, to this day, I don't understand how how is it possible. You're probably thinking because I didn't pressure her, she decided to come my way. And you're probably right. If I show no attention, less attention, she's going to try a little harder. And she did. In her own small way, she did. Of course, that affair had to come to an end. Which brings me to the next subject on the podcast. If you're going to do that, you're going to have an affair. Who would you have an affair with? A stranger? A friend? A person who's in a similar situation? Someone out of state? Someone out of town? Someone in town? Do you buy your sexual encounter? Or do you go on Craigslist and hook up that way? I don't know. I don't know the answer to the question. I mean, how do you date anybody in this modern world? How do you date anybody at any time in the world? How do you find someone who you're compatible with on any level? It's not romantic anymore, that's for sure. It's almost like a meat market. You just look at the specifications, the photograph, and if you like what you see and read, you go and shag it. I'm kind of a, an old-time romantic. I kind of like to get to know my person, whether it's going to be a, a one-night affair or whether it's going to be something a bit longer. I still like to sit down, have a meal, talk to them, laugh, you know, have a kind of a cerebral connection first before we jump between the sheets. I just like to see someone smile and show me some authenticity. I just don't like the idea of drive-through sexual encounters. It's kind of beyond me. But people do it. Maybe that's what you want to do. The irony of all of this is I got a phone call from the priest who married us. This is after the whole separation started to take place and it looked like we were going to divorce and he wanted to talk to my wife and I said, she's not here anymore. We are now separated. And he was concerned. He said, oh, can I ask what happened? And I said, yes, I had an affair. His very next words were, did you buy it or was it through a friend? And I said, it was through a friend. And he said, well, you know, that's not what you're supposed to do. This is from a priest, a Catholic priest. Could you believe that? He then went on to say something about the issues that are associated with Catholic women and religion and how they can be so stuffy and difficult to work with that my situation wasn't unusual and the situation my wife was going through wasn't unusual either. He just said that it was far better to buy a sexual encounter than it was to uh, go with a friend because that can get very messy. And indeed it was. So if I was to advise you on what to do with your affair and the affair partner you may choose, I'd probably say, look, out of town would be better, not a friend. And buying it, even though it's not very romantic, certainly guarantees you a line of separation between that individual, you and your spouse. Now, if you've made it this far into the podcast and you weren't offended by anything I said, 
you're probably considering it yourself. Or you're thinking, well, you're a bit of a bastard. Why didn't you just divorce your wife? The thing was, my wife was more than a sexual partner. Well, actually, she wasn't a sexual partner. I've told you that already. But she was a very good friend and a decent human being. I did love her. For everything that we didn't do in the bedroom, everything else was fantastic. She could hold a very decent conversation and she had a great smile and was probably the most authentic individual I have ever met. Very hard, working, gracious person. As the months and the years went by, I had to compartmentalize sex and go, well, that's just not who she is. There's nothing I can do to change it. We've talked about it. We've counseled over it. I've even doped up the idea of outsourcing. And still that doesn't, she doesn't see any priority in it. It's just going to have to be up to me. And I'll deal with it the way I can deal with it. And our relationship got a whole lot better for it. Go figure. But then I didn't have an affair partner after those three months. And uh, we didn't have any children. Thankfully, we didn't have any children. But of course, we weren't going to have children. We weren't having sex. We were never going to have children. And that meant that it was very easy for us to make a separation and go our, our own varying ways in life. The marriage had run its course. I think I was well and truly aware that nothing was going to alter. I think she was well and truly aware of something. Her version, I don't know. Given the fact that she didn't want to acknowledge any issue, any sexual issue, uh, suggested to me that she probably thinks that, it, that sex was never a never problem. Now you've listened to my podcast, what are you going to do? Are you at that point in your relationship where you're considering having sex with somebody outside the marriage? Have you been pushed to desperation? Have you got nothing left to lose? Or do you have still something to lose? Quite often we have our houses to lose, finances to lose, maybe our children. It might be something in the wills. Money comes into it a great deal. We hang on to these soul-sucking marriages for money and the comfort of what we've already got in our life, despite the discomfort that's in our life. What are you going to do? Are you going to investigate it more? Why don't you drop me a line at michaelformanwriting.com. michaelformanwriting.com is my website. That's where all my writing goes. Um, or you can leave it here on the podcast. There's always ways to leave messages on podcasts, comments, and so forth. Have you been in an affair since finding out your marriage is going to be sexless forever. Are you at the point of considering it, but knowing in your heart of hearts you can't do it? Drop me a line at michaelformanwriting.com. I want to hear what your thoughts are like. Now, I know that there is a big cross-section of the community listening to the podcast. Currently, we're looking at around about 2,000, 2,100 listeners at any one stage, and it's growing all the time. I know I'm a male, and you're listening to a male's voice talking about... <laughs> an affair that he had behind his wife's back and that's not a good thing in today's world. Every male is a bastard anyway and he's going to stick it wherever he wants to stick it. But there are just as many females who are in the same situation. They don't get out there on a podcast and tell the world about it. Maybe they should. Maybe normalising, not so much normalising the affairs, but normalising the pain that's felt when living inside a sexless marriage for days and weeks and months and years. I lost 17 sexual years of my life to a sexless relationship. When is the right time to make a change in our life, a change in ourselves, and put the fairy tale stories to the side? 
This is life, not fiction. This is life we're talking about. When you get married in your 20s, it's kind of assumed that you're going to be together in your 80s. That's 60 years with one individual. Easy to say today, but you add 40 years onto it. And I don't know what your situations are like, whether you've got health issues in your family, in your marriage rather, or you just at each other's throats all the time because you're so incompatible in every other way. Maybe you've got financial issues. Maybe you work, both of you work too far apart from each other to engage in sex. That might be just the problem. I don't know. My situation is different to yours. Yours is going to be different to the next person's. But all of us reach a certain point where we have to make a decision and make change. Now, if you're happy, you're 100% happy with the situation as it stands right now, then you don't need to be listening to a podcast like this. You don't need to be measuring yourself against somebody else's story. You don't have to be looking for answers to questions that are going on in your head. But if you are here listening to it right now, there is something going on. You already know that. I know that. That's why these podcasts exist. That's why mine exists anyway. All right. I told you at the top end of the podcast that I'm a writer. A lot of my personal story went into the book known as Seethings, S-E-E-T-H-I-N-G-S, currently free to be downloaded from smashwords.com. So you can leave this podcast at the end of the sign-off, run across to smashwords.com, look for Seethings by Michael Foreman and download yourself a copy, start reading within seconds. How good is technology? Technology has allowed me to talk to you about the book and about my situation and technology will allow you to download it and read it within a minute or so. Smashwords.com, you're looking for the title Seethings. And my personal website is michaelformanwriting.com, which is also attached uh, to this podcast. You can see it with the meta detail I provided with the audio track. Do it with the podcast or come to my website at michaelformanwriting.com. That's it for today's podcast. I don't know whether I got you out of trouble or put you more into it. This is a very precarious part of life. Oddly enough, it happens more often than we hear about. I've given you my story. You're welcome to drop me a line and tell me a little of yours. And, uh, and we'll see if we can nut it out in a future podcast. Well, that's it for me. This show is done and dusted. Join me again somewhere in the future on the Dirty Rabbit Hole podcast. Just remember... It can always rain on your parade. See you later. 